We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me in a bit is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. We have some news to talk about with Jimmy Garoppolo getting shoulder surgery. We will talk about that. Talk a little bit about what John Lynch had to say at the Combine. And then we're going to dive into the two Trey Lance starts. Um, We went back and rewatched his week five and week 17 starts. See what we could take away from that. We will dive into that as well. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Chris, stop me if you've heard this, but Jimmy Garoppolo is injured. It turns out. Um, so the shoulder injury, Adam Schefter broke the news on Tuesday. We're recording this Wednesday that. So let me rewind. Adam Schefter early in the offseason said Jimmy Garoppolo was going to have thumb surgery because, you know, he injured his thumb in week 16 against the Titans. Yeah, said he was going to have thumb surgery, but then he also injured his shoulder against the Cowboys in the wild card playoff, trying not to fall on his thumb. He falls on his shoulder and hurt his shoulder. Schefter then reported on Tuesday, no thumb surgery, but he would be having shoulder surgery and wouldn't be able to throw until sometime in July. So what does that mean for the 49ers? It basically means that they are now trying to trade this asset whose value is already in question. And now that asset cannot even throw a football until maybe training camp or a little after. Right. Yikes. Yeah. So it's, it's obviously not ideal. I don't know how much it ultimately changes Jimmy Garoppolo's um value uh, on the trade market i'm guessing that teams who are inquiring about jimmy garoppolo and spoke to don Yee, his agent already knew this stuff Mm -hmm. um so i don't think that like this is sending like a a shockwave through the league in terms of you know teams being surprised but what it does do is make things a little bit more complicated from the 49ers perspective ultimately i don't think it's going to affect the price so much in terms of what the 49ers could fetch in a jimmy garoppolo trade but I think it affects the timing, right? Because really, one of the more important things about moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo at some point this offseason is clearing up that cap space. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has a seven and a half million injury guarantee. So that means if so, before, before I hit on the guarantee stuff, with the injury now and the surgery, presumably a team trading for Jimmy Garoppolo is going to want to look at hit the surgery, look at the shoulder, see how it's, see how it reacted to the surgery, see how it's about to heal um, and get all of that testing stuff done before making the trade. Right. Like that's what a logical team would do in terms of, you know, saying, Hey, this guy's our starting quarterback. We need to make sure that he's going to be able to throw at some point. Um, we don't know what that process is going to look like. Right. We don't know exactly when he's having the surgery. 
And we don't know how long this is going to kick the can down the road in terms of a trade actually happening. Um, because I think, you know, we, we've seen in the past, Alex Smith got traded in February uh, last year. Matthew Stafford got traded in February. Sometimes these trades get agreed to well before this new start of the league year. Um, so this, this year, the new league year starts March 16th. And it would seem that given the surgery um, and, and the timeline surrounding it, there's a pretty good chance that Garoppolo isn't dealt by the time the new league year starts. So why that's important is the 49ers currently, I mean, are, are in the process of trying to figure out how to get as much cap space as possible so they could potentially sign free agents, including mm-hmm. their own free agents who are likely to get offers during the, um, during the tampering period, three days before um, the start of the new league year. And the guy that I, think is is most likely to get offers from other teams during that time is Lakin Tomlinson. Um, I don't know what Lakin Tomlinson is going to get on the open market, but the 49ers could potentially be operating with less, less cap space than they will have. And it'll just make things a little bit murky in terms of what they can offer Lakin Tomlinson or any other free agent. Say they wanted to go get, mm-hmm. say they wanted to sign, you know, Lakin Tomlinson and Stefan Gilmore, just mm-hmm. as an example it's a lot more complicated when Jimmy Garoppolo's money is still there and you don't know exactly what's going to happen right? Um, with that. So back to the injury guarantee, the 49ers, if they're in a rush to get out from under Garoppolo's $25.5 million cap hit, they can cut him. Um, but because of the injury now, cutting him does not clear $25.5 million. It clears $18 million because that injury guarantee is $7.5 million. So it's offset, which means that they will carry that $7.5 million cap hit until Jimmy Garoppolo signs and makes $7.5 million with another team. So if Jimmy Garoppolo Mm -hmm. makes, say this isn't going to happen, but just as as an example, if Jimmy Garoppolo were to sign one year for 5 million somewhere else, the Niners would be on the hook for 2.5 million. That's how the offset works. So he signs for 10 million, then that's more than 7.5. Then the 49ers are completely off the hook from that injury guarantee. Um, so yeah, there's a, I mean, it's, it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot, like it's complicated. It's not deal breaking. Like, I don't think, like I said, I don't think this ultimately changes the price for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it reinforces the idea that like, Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt a lot and now he's dealing with surgery and he's not going to be able to throw till June or July. That can be problematic, but if you're a team in the market for a quarterback, you're like, well, all right, he's a veteran. He'll be in the meetings. It's not like he's going to be away from the team. He'll learn the playbook. He'll, you know, get the verbiage down. He'll be taking mental reps or whatever, whatever. Love those mental reps. Yeah. Even though, and then he'll be able to throw presumably at the start of training camp and be fully cleared. So it's a complicate. it's a, it's a complication to a scenario that I think already has a likely ending. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be on the 49ers. And I know it's been floated that it's, you know, there's a possibility that he comes back. I severely doubt that um so much of it is because the 49ers just need to get that money off the books in terms of how jimmy garoppolo's money affects debo samuel and nick bosa's contract extensions i'm not entirely sure that it does necessarily because those type of deals tend to happen before training camp um you know they happen last minute before training camp with george kittle and fred warner the last couple years i would imagine it'll be similar with bosa and debo and that's way down. That's way down the road. That's after all the free agency stuff happens. That's well after Jimmy Garoppolo presumably gets traded. Um, and so, that's if those extensions even affect their their deals at all. Yeah, or their cap numbers. Yeah, I mean, how how it would likely work is, and how the 49ers have done in the past is they've done, you know, small initial cap numbers early on, and then bigger cap mm-hmm. numbers as the contracts or as the contracts go on. And with the sap with the cap set to explode in 2023 and 2024 when the new tv money comes in that's presumably when those deals will will have the biggest cap hits um but anyway in terms of the shoulder injury surgery impacting the trade market i think it delays things a little bit and makes things a little bit more complicated and now i think it might increase the chance that the 49ers cut garoppolo because they might say look like you know, we could wait around and try to get draft compensation out of this, but perhaps more importantly is financial flexibility. Um, and maybe we just need to release Jimmy because we need that financial flexibility early on in 
free agency so we can, you know, retain Lakin Tomlinson potentially and or sign uh, somebody else because that cap space isn't available to you um, until you clear it. And that's why they might be in a rush to, to cut Garoppolo if, if that's, you know, if, if they determine that nobody's going to give them a reasonable enough trade offer. I thought it was a little bit funny. Ian Rappaport today on NFL Network was talking about this, the timing of the trade and how teams, you know, may be wary of signing a player who's coming off surgery and not being able to see him throw and da 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 And his conclusion to all that was the Niners might just have to keep him. Yeah, they're not keeping I, I'm still, I still don't understand that line of thing. It just doesn't, it just doesn't track at all. Honestly, like, I, I do believe Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, when they talk to reporters like the national reporters on or off the record, they say the same thing they they've said in press conferences, which is right. like, yeah, we're not ruling it out. And that's honestly what I think these, these guys are going with. But I mean, look, Jimmy Garoppolo basically spelled it out saying he's done. He's out <laughs> like he's gone. So, well, hang on. <laughs> and there are too many teams that need quarterbacks and Rappaport, not only. Yeah, I think he's gone for sure. But um, Rappaport not only said they might just keep him, but said they might just keep him and still start Lance. So slide Jimmy Garoppolo into that backup QB role at his $27 million cap hit. Yeah, that's which I mean, like, if he's back, it's no definitely not going to be on that chance. contract. Yeah, there's yeah, there's, there's just no wild stuff from from rap sheet. So but this is, you know, it's lying season. It's it's, right. it's with the time season. when GMs and coaches get on the microphone and say things that blatantly aren't true because they're not trying to tell the tell the rest of the NFL world what exactly their plans are, but we all know, you know, like the Niners plan is to start Trey Lance and trade Jimmy. They're just not going to say it publicly to anybody in the media, even if it is, you know, Adam Schefter, even, even Ian Rappaport off the record on background, whatever. That's why they'll sometimes say these things because, Hey, that's what that guy told me. And I have to say that to maintain our relationship and you know, those type of things. Or this guy told me to say this and promise that I'll get to break the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. <laughs> right. <laughs> or like, yeah, he, he told me this. So I told him that, you know, there's an exchange of information generally. It's an, he's an information merchant. Yes. He's very, very good at it. Exactly. That's one all of those. The, that's all those guys are. Yeah. Yeah. They're all information traders basically. Anyways. Um, John Lynch also got asked about, um, his TV, his possible TV gig. And he once again got super uncomfortable talking about it, <laughs> which is super funny. The end of his quote, though, made me think that he's not long to be the 49ers GM. Like maybe he finishes out this contract, but I don't think he signs another extension. And it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't finish out this contract. I think so. Basically, what he said was like he couldn't believe that how much money they're offering. Yeah, I was in light. He of, was just like, but it was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that like, was oh in light God. of I think whatever his offer was, ten to fifteen million dollars, which is two or three times more than what he makes now. Right. And then Sean McVay getting twenty million a year offered. Um. So I think ultimately it depends on how the 49ers do, and and that's sort of like. Like I, Tim Kawakami and I, I went on his podcast and we had the same conversation. Like, yeah. Um, I think it's a legacy thing. Like if, if I think John Lynch looks at it and says, all right, I could be just a guy who goes to TV and people remember me for, you know, being a hall of fame player and a relatively successful league executive. But if Trey Lance goes on to become a star and the 49ers win a Super Bowl or two, then all of a sudden John Lynch goes from like, successful executive to like potential legendary figure right like that's mm -hmm. that's there's a big difference there and you know he has money I'm, I'm i bet john lynch still has money from when he was playing right yeah like he's he, doing fine he's doing fine he made a lot of money during his playing career he made plenty of money at fox he's making plenty of money now obviously to you know double or triple your salary and have a much less stressful job is the preference for the vast majority of us. But when you're somebody in, in the position of John Lynch to really define your legacy is like, Hey, I'm, I'm the guy who cold called Kyle Shanahan and said, Hey, let me be your GM. I'm the guy who pounded the table for Trey Lance when other people in the organization wanted Mac Jones. And then Trey Lance goes on to help the team that I'm general manager of win Super Bowls. Right. 
that's big for his legacy. And he's, you know, he's in the ring of honor at Levi stadium at that point. Um, you know, he's not well, going to go into the hall of fame again as an executive, but he's like Ozzie Newsome, John Elway, you know, those right. type of people who are like high above the, I don't even know what, what you would call it, but just the air of, of it's really hard to be a great player and then a great GM, right? His legacy would just be vastly different. Yeah. If, if the 49ers ended up winning Super Bowls with Trey Lance, then if he just like quit and, and went to TV, but you know, if, if Trey Lance is bad and the 49ers fall on their face, then yeah, that's absolutely in play for John. I don't think he's going to like bounce around and be a GM somewhere else. Right. Um, if it didn't last here, I think he would just go back to TV. So I, yeah, I think there's something to it. And like, I think I mentioned it before, but when the Niners were losing and they were on that four game losing streak, I saw John Lynch and like, he just did not look good. He didn't look, he looked tired. He well, looked there's frustrated and exasperated. Like it was, he looked like somebody who like, man, if he left, it really wouldn't be surprising. But there's the just fact a- they went to the NFC title game and now have a chance to be successful with Trey, you know, that might reinvigorate them a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's a competitive energy there too that says I've gotten this close twice and I'm not walking out after getting that close with a quarterback who we think is worse than the guy that we're going to bring in. Right. I I just, because if you're, if you're John Lynch, you're the ultimate competitor. Like that's what it takes to become not only a college player, but an NFL player and a hall of fame NFL player. Like there's a competitive drive required to get to that level. And I think if he, loses in the Super Bowl as the GM then go back to the NFC Championship game two seasons later lose that walk away and then they win when he leaves yeah I think that's something that he wouldn't be able to like live with like TV is always going to be there for him right right and being the Niners GM is is not so I just I I did think it was interesting though not I don't know interesting but just kind of funny how much he stumbled over. If you have a chance to to watch his interview, how much he stumbles over the like early part of that TV question, because it's clear he doesn't want to burn that bridge and be like, "No, nah, I hate TV. I don't want to do it." But also, like, it's very clear he wants to be the Niners GM because he wants to win. It's got to be pretty awkward, right? Like, if I were to come on this podcast and be like, or just talk publicly anywhere, not that I do really outside of this podcast, but like. Oh yeah, I'm having I'm having dinner with so and so at the New York Times, you know, despite being employed by the Sacramento Bee. You right. know what I mean? Like that would be, that would be a very weird thing to have to talk about publicly, right. given that like I'm already employed and I have employers who are counting on me for things. So like right. I completely understand why he would be uncomfortable with like, oh yeah, I had dinner with TV executives, even though I'm employed by the Niners to be their GM. Like that's, do you know how much money they offered me? <laughs> yeah, like that's when, yeah. Especially when like those numbers are being reported, like the fact that like the sal- the potential salary that he could be making is out there. Like that's kind of a wild thing to have to address publicly. Not that I had some beef with John Lynch, but my respect level for him climbed immensely knowing that like, I mean, it was already high, but it climbed even higher knowing that he just left that much money on the table. Cause he's like, nah, dude, I want to freaking win. Like I want to win a super bowl. Like that's that damn yeah, better man than me. I would have been like 15 mil talk about football on TV. Yeah, you got it. Well, I mean, if they do win a super bowl at some point and then he goes back to TV, he could be like, well, you offered me 15 before I won a super bowl. Now, you know, my resume is a little bit better, Mm -hmm. you know, price is 20. Yeah. Price of the brick going up. (laughs) <laughs> totally i bet that's what he says has john lynch um, ever said anything about the price of the brick in his life i don't think so no i, I don't, don't think I don't um from wherever he's in san diego to uh i believe i know the neighborhood that he lives in in um the bay area and i don't think there's much brick being being pushed <laughs> out there <laughs> combined 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 jay-z songs john lynch has listened to purposely in his life not like at stadiums oh like well it's probably all come like on the practice field right they will but not Jay-Z not occasionally that. austin moss will throw some jay on the mix at a at niners practice but but has i mean john lynch has john lynch ever gone to gone to his music app of choice and been like jay-z yeah 
I like to think John Lynch, like 99 Problems, is like John Lynch's secret favorite song. And when it comes on, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he, he's like, you know, spitting all the words and stuff. I could see it. <laughs> I could absolutely see that, actually. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's my guilty pleasure song. Yeah. Now um, throw on some Pantera. <laughs> um, but no, I yeah, it's it would be a weird thing to have to talk about publicly. What listening to Jay Z? No, I mean I could. I oh, could the TV thing. That. Got it. Yeah, the okay, TV yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk. I can talk about listening to Jay Z. Totally. I wanted to. I know. No, that's okay. That subject. Yeah, I do. You know me and Jay. We're... Yeah, you and Hove. Dude, just to H to the O V. You know. <laughs> All right, that's me. All right, I'm uncomfortable. Let's move on now. to literally anything else. <laughs> so how about the weather, huh? It's kind of yeah. weird. We're gonna have to start really focusing on beating the heat soon yeah riata hoodie says uh you want to take a break and then talk about trey lance yeah let's do it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. All right. So we're finally going to do this Trey Lance episode that we've been talking about since the offseason started. And we went back and we rewatched week five and then rewatched week 17 to try and take something away that maybe we missed during the season. Because when you're watching games during the season, you're looking at it from the scope of, okay, yeah, it was a Trey Lance start, but okay, they also lost to Arizona. And then, okay, it was a Trey Lance start, but they beat a bad Houston team. What does that mean for their playoff chances? So we just really honed in on the Trey Lance aspect of these games to try and see exactly kind of where he's at going into the offseason, what we can learn and really take away from those two starts. And I want to start here and just kind of get your thoughts and we can we can kind of break it down from there. My big thing after watching the week five start against Arizona, I think every person who speaks in absolutes about Trey Lance's readiness only watched or is taking into account that game. Yeah. Like I think they watched week five and then either didn't watch in week 17 or discount week 17 because it was Houston. And they say, well, I saw what happened in Arizona. That's that guy's not ready to win a Super Bowl. Right. Right. Yeah. So ultimately, like rewatching these games just sort of reinforced what I already thought in that he just needs to play. You know, they're like there, there are a few moments where he's like, do I run here? Do I keep my eyes downfield and try to find somebody? Um do I, you know, there was a, one of the fourth down plays against Arizona. JJ Watt was matched up against Charlie Warner on a quarterback power run. And because JJ Watt blew up the play, Trey Lance sort of had to hit the hole a little bit quicker than he, than he would have liked to. And he ended up beating Lake and Tomlinson into the hole who was, you know, was a power block. So he was filling that gap and he was going to clear the way, but because JJ Watt beat Charlie Warner, he had to, 
you know, he, he had to speed, speed up the play and try to get there. And he ultimately got tackled where if Lakin Tomlinson actually did hit the hole before he did, it would have been a first down. And there were just so many elements to watching Trey Lance play where you could say, you could watch him be like, all right, well, there's, there are obvious teaching points, right? Like even the fourth down stop where, you know, he, he was hit by three guys at the goal line. If Trey Lance tries to go high, like if he tries to leap over those dudes and extend the ball, I think he scores pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And instead, he lowers his shoulder and tries to go through those guys. And there are a few different plays in the Texans game, too, where that happens, where he tries to take guys head on by dropping his shoulder. And it's like, man, these aren't, you know, D1 double A guys. You're not playing right Southeastern Alabama State or whatever. <laughs> like this is it's a good program. <laughs> not, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, that that's not meant to be a shot at the Hokies or no. whoever. <laughs> but but I'm looking um, up southeastern alabama state Keep yeah I, I i that's just a completely made-up program I, I have no idea but um point being like there are things that he was very clearly used to doing at north dakota state that he just can't get away with at the nfl level and i think there's an element of kyle shanahan learning things about trey lance also in that you know he's not lamar jackson he's not Kyler Murray he's not somebody who you build a running game around he's somebody you add to the running game for sure but it's not like you only run an offense focused on his run like he needs to be a pocket quarterback he needs to be a pocket quarterback and then and then the athleticism can be can help you around the margins right when a play breaks down like the very first Mm -hmm. snap he took against Arizona Pocket collapsed. He had a wide open running lane and he is, he, he gets 14 easy yards going the other way. Yep. Right. And there are even some design runs where it's like just eight easy yards because, you know, he has a lane up the middle, they're playing man coverage. They turn their back to him and it's just easy money from that standpoint. The and, interception he threw, he probably should have ran. Yeah. Yeah. To Travis Benjamin, for sure. He had, he had a wide open running lane and Benjamin was sort of between like four guys over there. Um, and he threw off the, you know, he threw off his one foot and then the, the ball sailed a little bit on him, but yeah, to your point, like if he runs there, it's probably a 20 yard gain in the first down. Um, he needs to work on his touch. There were a couple drops from, you know, Debo Samuel on short slants. Uh, Muhammad Sanu had a drop on a pretty good throw on a third and long play. The play from the Arizona game that really stands out to me, I think it was a third and three. And he hit Brandon Ayuk like in a very small window along the far sideline. And he just, you know, when it was a one read play, so it wasn't like he stood back and, and, you know, read the entire field, but he hit the top of his drop and fired it. And when he does that and is decisive, he can be, he can be pretty effective. Um, but, but I think ultimately rewatching those games so much of it is just about seasoning and like mm-hmm. he's, he's only going to get better and more comfortable by playing. And I think the biggest point to anybody who says, you know, Trey Lance isn't ready to win the Super Bowl or what, or be the starting quarterback. It's like, well, how is he going to get ready? Because it's not exactly. going to happen on scout team or holding a clipboard, being on the bench, whatever he needs to play. And so ultimately, and we've seen it from Jimmy Garoppolo, right? 2019, did not play very well in the opener against Tampa was better week two against Cincinnati sort of was mediocre for the first two months of the season. And then Jimmy Garoppolo really got going in like November, December Mm -hmm. that can happen with Trey Lance also, right? Like it can, they're, they're going to be ups and downs. If, and when Trey Lance is a starter, he's going to throw interceptions. He's going to make inaccurate throws. Um, And the 49ers are probably going to lose a couple games because of it. But ultimately, those are all learning experiences and those are opportunities for him to grow, which is what he needs more than anything else. So ideally, like, look, the Chiefs had a ready-made roster. Um, They were a playoff team and they made the switch from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, you could say, yeah, the Chiefs players were confident because they saw Pat Mahomes in practice and they knew he had a live arm and he was explosive and all that. But ultimately, Patrick Mahomes only became Patrick Mahomes because he got to play. Mm-hmm. He didn't become Patrick Mahomes sitting behind Alex Smith. Right. He became Patrick Mahomes by playing. So if the 49ers want Trey Lance to develop, the only way to do that is to make him the starter where he's getting a hundred percent of the first team reps and training camp and OTAs and all and everything else. 
And then every week, which Lance talked about when he was a starter during those two weeks, that's when he grew the most all season, just getting those, you know, 25 practice reps a day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as opposed to just running the scout team and doing whatever. That's where he grew the most. And he said as much, Kyle Shanahan said as much. The problem was 49ers didn't fully trust him. And they had another option in Jimmy Garoppolo who had been there, who was more seasoned and they trusted a little bit more in big spots. But now what was evident in rewatching was something that just felt reinforced was like, that's, he just needs to play bottom line. Yeah. The first, the first game there were, I started, I started to try and write down specific plays. And then there were just so many of them where it was really clear. Like we talked about it. If Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter in week one, it's going to be really hard for Trey Lance to, to become a better quarterback because he's not going to be getting those reps. And that was very clear in week in the week five start. It looked like they said, Hey, look, you haven't gotten these reps. Just go play. Like, we'll see how it goes. I think that's why they ran it so much. Yep. I think that's why the offense looked so um, limited was because it was, it was, Hey, not only have you never started an NFL game, but you've not had a full week of practice as the number one QB. So the fact that there was that in week five, and then it looked different in week 17. I thought in week 17, he looked more decisive there was some there were he struggled a little bit in the first half. He was much better in the second half. But I thought in week 17, and this was a point of growth, I thought, he looked less like, okay, play breaks down, I'm taking off, and more like play breaks down, or maybe he missed his first or second read. He's still looking to throw the football down the field. Whereas in that start against Arizona, it was like, if it's not there, he's out. Right. And I think the fact that he made that, it's not a huge jump. It's not like, oh, wow, it was dramatically different in week 17, but he was definitely better. And I think the fact that he got better at that and more decisive with his throws and did a better job of not immediately looking to take off. I think that the fact he did all that as the backup quarterback running the scout team I think that bodes very well for what his growth will look like when he does have a full offseason of starters reps and when he does get a full training camp of starters reps and when he does prepare as a starting quarterback. So I agree with you. I think there are going to be problems. Like he's not going to be perfect out of the gate and there's probably going to be what, four or five games early on six, maybe, I don't know, pick a number where it's like, man, Like he's, he's got to get better at X, Y, and Z, but I didn't see anything in either start. And this is really what I was looking for where, where, because on, on first viewing, when they happened live, it was like, well, there's nothing there. that's like, man, this guy can't play like, yeah, this, this, he's going to struggle because he can't do X. The arm strength is there. The speed is there. It's just like the speed of the game is different. Yeah. And the offense is new and the game is new and the defenses are different. Like, and to your point, that's all stuff that you're just going to learn by 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 playing. If he was doing this and it was year three and it still looked like this, okay, now worry a little bit. Yeah. But the fact the the my overarching big takeaway was he was better in week 17 than he was in week five, despite being a practice squad QB. Right. And that's pretty were- impressive too. Right. And and so, I mean, obviously the 49ers offense is a lot better than this offense I'm about to mention, but like, remember when Alex Smith was a rookie all the way back in 2005 and just like the offense looked completely inept and like every throw felt like it was short of the sticks yeah. and there were no chances being taken. And then the, the offense just wasn't all that difficult to defend. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that feeling at all watching the 49ers, even with Trey Lance playing quarterback. Right. Because, yeah. and, and one thing that stood out to me, and, and these are PFF numbers. So, tw- on th- throws 20 yards beyond the line of scrimmage or further, right? Jimmy Garoppolo attempted those passes on 7.6% of his dropbacks or attempts. Trey Lance attempted throws 20 yards downfield on 18.3% of his throws. Jesus. So, 
and you could see it. Like there were a lot of plays where it's like, all right, well, Brandon Ayuk's double covered, but I'm going to go give him a chance to make a play. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jimmy never made those throws. And you're going to just inherently embolden your pass catchers to make plays. Like even the, the one-handed catch of George Kittle late in the Texans game. It's kind of like George was pretty well covered, but Lance was willing to sling it in there and trust his arm strength and just his overall talent to, to make that play. And, and honestly, the thing that stood out to me about, you know, those, those practice videos that made their way that made the rounds a few weeks ago was like, man, it, it's, I know it's practice, but those are like pretty ballsy throws. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, it's, it, he's not going to be a check down Charlie. He's, he's going to be a very aggressive quarterback. And ultimately, when you think about the ceiling of the offense, at least for me, it's like, so with Trey Lance, I'd imagine the 49ers are, are still going to be a very good running team, probably an even better running team than they were at Jimmy Garoppolo, because at least now defenses will have to account for Trey Lance's legs in some capacity. The difference being where defenses would load the box to stop the run that also helped them stop Jimmy Garoppolo's short passing game over the mm-hmm. middle of the field because defenders can occupy the same space. And ultimately for the 49ers, that can be a tough needle to thread when Jimmy Garoppolo is not pushing the ball downfield and they're trying to run the ball effectively. Whereas Trey Lance is going to push the ball downfield, which could potentially create space for the running lanes, potentially allowing for a lot more balance and just making you a lot more difficult to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that ultimately, I think, is going to be the, the biggest difference between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo is just the way defenses have to account for their skill sets. And the fact that Lance is, is more his, his attempt, he attempts passes deep downfield at double the rate of Jimmy while being similarly effective. Like to me, that that could be a big differentiator. And it's not like the 49ers have had a bad offense with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like in 2019, they right. were a second ranked offense in the league. And they were, I don't know off the top of my head what, where the Niners ranked this year. But I mean, I think it was probably decent. So I want to, I want to touch on I'm a couple of things. This, you I'm said. looking this up real quick. Go ahead. I want to touch on a couple of things you said. So back at the beginning there, you were talking about how the, how the Niners offense never looked inept with Trey Lance. It reminded me of like a pitcher who's who's throwing, you know, I dealt with this a lot playing playing baseball growing up. You have a 16 year old who's throwing 80, 81, 82 with no idea where it's going. Right. And it's like that kid's not very effective right now, but man, he's going to be good when he figures it out. That's what it reminded me of a little bit. It wasn't like, oh, man, this guy's just going to get clobbered every time he goes in the mound. Yeah, like, versus oh, a kid throwing 70 with no off-speed pitches. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so that's a little bit what it what it reminded me of. The other thing you mentioned, he's not going to be checked down Charlie. I do think that that's something he needs to learn to do better, though. And I think he will. But like if there's a if if there's a well, there's a number of critiques, but one of the ones is I felt like he missed a lot of like, and I know he's looking to push the ball down the field. But in certain spots, it's like Kyle Juszczyk leaks out. He's wide open. You're going to get 18 yards out of that. Just t- take that when it's there. And th- there's going to be spots where you're not going to want that because it's fourth and 11 and the game's online and you got to let it rip. But um, I-, I do think that learning when to check down and when to forego that to either scramble or look for something down the field is is something I'm going to be watching uh, in the in the preseason and and in training camp and early on in his first couple of starts because I do think that having that skill is is valuable um, obviously as long, as long as you're not um, leaning on it too much. Um, the Niners' offense this year ranks seventh in the league. That's wild. Which that's like, really wild. If you think about how limited Jimmy Garoppolo is to have the third ranked offense in, or the seventh ranked offense in the league after having the second ranked offense in 2019. Like, I mean, I, I think people sometimes when they talk, Oh, Trey Lance isn't ready. They're kind of missing the forest for the trees because like, he's not taking over at four and what's what, what's the math A four and 13 team. Yep. Nice job. <laughs> That's 17. Yeah. Games, right? Like he's yeah. taking over a team that has, 
a very good running game, a very good receiving core, one of the best tight ends in the league, and an offensive line with potentially two Hall of Famers if Alex Mack comes back. And <laughs> or two and, like all decade, whatever star sure. players. And to that point, it it's not like the 49ers went 15 and 2. They went 10 and 7. And if we're if we're going off the idea that Trey Lance is going to get better as he plays, can they start three and five? That's what they did this year. Can they start three and five through the first eight? Because that's that's the bar presently. And it's like, yeah, I think so. I don't think he's so bad, especially after a full offseason like we've talked about. I don't think he's going to be such a low-level quarterback that it's like, man, they are not going to win a game through their first two months. I don't think that that's the case. It might look different, and it might not look super pretty out of the gate, but I think there's plenty there to think, okay, this guy can win you some games while he also figures it out. Like, there's, the, It's not a needle they're looking to thread here. There's a pretty wide window between, okay, this guy is a capable starter who can win you games who can do that while also learning on the fly and learning on the job and getting better while he plays. Right. So 49ers defense ranked third running game ranked seventh. If the 49ers have top five, a top five defense and a top five running game, how much do they realistically need from Trey Lance to be a top 10 offense? Not a lot. And that's, lot. that's, that's the big question I have is, is what outside of knowledge of the offense and just, just knowledge of, of defenses by, by playing in a lot of games, what are the 49ers losing with Jimmy Garoppolo that they're not going to get with Trey Lance? Yeah. I mean, experience. <laughs> that's right. That's really and, it. And that's, if, if Trey, Trey Lance, look, I will argue this, you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo got the 49ers to the playoffs with his week 18 game. That was a big, a big time performance from him. But throughout the playoffs in the wins over the Cowboys and the Packers, the 49ers won basically despite Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Like they won with their defense and with Debo Samuel, basically, and special Mm -hmm. teams, obviously, in Green Bay, like. Trey Lance can throw bubble screens to Debo Samuel. Trey Lance can hand it off to Debo Samuel. That was a significant part of the 49ers offense. Right? So, like, it's not like they need Trey Lance to come in and throw the ball 50 times a game. Like, Trey Lance is probably going to average 20 to 25 pass attempts a game, which is going to be one of the fewest in the league on a, you know, per-game basis. So, like, they're not going to need him to be the guy that, you know, is Peyton Manning is directing everybody to go everywhere. Who's in shotgun and empty sets and five receivers out and throwing it 50, 60 times a game. That's just not what the Niners are going to do. So as long as he can understand the fundamentals of the offense, um, run the offense, make his reads, which, you know, everything you hear about Trey Lance and, um, you know, both on and off the record, it's like everybody is really high on him as a person, as uh, as a learner, as a student, um, as somebody who come who can develop into one of those really intelligent NFL quarterbacks who can do enough with his mind that eventually he can just let his athleticism take over. And it's not, you know, that the, the infrastructure is there. But yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. The Niners are going to win games because they have a really good defense potentially and a really good running game. Like we talked, we, we haven't talked about the defense because so much of the conversation has been about the quarterback stuff. Who are the Niners losing on defense this year? Like maybe DJ, DJ Jones, Jones, but okay. So like maybe K1 Williams, the, all the stars are there. All the stars are back, right? <laughs> like the, you're, you're, you're still going to have Fred Warner. You're well, still gonna have Nick Bosa. We'll see. With question Kwaski. mark. Um, you're going to have Eric Armstead, who's uh, who's coming off the best stretch of his career in the playoffs. Like the Niners' defense could be better than it was last year, and the running game could certainly be better depending on what they do. I mean, it's going to be tough without Bobby Turner potentially. But the point here is like Trey Lance is not going to be asked to do a ton. He's getting 
the discussion is about him rightfully so because he plays quarterback but -hmm. in terms of what he's going to have to do and how much of the burden he's going to have to carry I don't think it's all that much because the Niners are so loaded offensively and they have one of the best offensive minds pulling the strings of Kyle Shanahan so two things one the burden with Trey Lance is is elevating the offense's ceiling I don't think it's it's getting back to a floor I, that's that's what the enticing thing with him is. It's all of a sudden a third and eight sack turns into a first down because he scrambled. And all of a sudden this short throw, uh, this throw short of the sticks to bring up a third and two turns into a deep shot, uh, 50-yard gain kind of thing. It just opens up the offense in ways that, that Garoppolo couldn't. And that's not a knock on Garoppolo. There were just limitations with his talent and uh, that's why the 49ers made Trey Lance a number three pick in the draft well so to to the point of you know Trey Lance being a little bit more aggressive there were a few plays and particularly the one against Houston where he's sort of backpedaling and he's dropped he's got George Kittle in front of him to his left and then Trent Sherfield a little bit further down beyond the line uh, beyond the line to gain Trey Lance hit Sherfield the deeper target and made an accurate throw and made a play that sort of surprised everybody because if you had watched Jimmy Garoppolo, he would have checked it down to Kittle mm-hmm. well short of the sticks. Right. And so it's just, there are a lot of different plays like that. Even at the end of the first half of the Texans game where the 49ers, they didn't really get going offensively until they had that two minute drive. Trey Lance, like Brandon Ike was covered and Trey Lance threw a deep pass to him in the end zone. That would have been just a miraculous one-handed catch had Ayuk gotten two feet in bounds and he didn't catch it, but it was, you know, you didn't see Jimmy Garoppolo make a ton of plays or passes where it's just like, all right, man, go make a play. You know, I'm going to throw you a 50, 50 ball and you got to go win it. Like that, which is part of the maddening thing about Garoppolo, I think in that you could probably live with Jimmy throwing interceptions when it's like a lot of 50, 50 balls, when you're like being aggressive downfield and trying to score and stuff like that. What was maddening, I think, about a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions was that, like, guys were open and then mm-hmm. he'll airmail them. Like, guys will be open in the middle of the field and they'll airmail them and throw them to, the, you know, right to the safety 10 yards beyond them. Right. Beyond the target. Yeah. Have you regained your, your train of thought? I haven't, dude. I have, I can't even <laughs> like jog what line of thinking I was going with. It happens. Swing and a miss by me. It happens to me quite frequently on this podcast. Thank God for time. I was able to save it a little bit since we weren't live, (laughs) but you know, we can edit and make it sound a little bit better, but shouts shouts to Tyler. Tyler will make it happen for us. Yeah, he will. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, I have plays written down. I just think overall the big takeaway from watching Trey Lance and and the reason why I wanted to, to just do this was just provide context and like a starting point as to, you know, where Trey Lance was after his rookie season versus where he potentially could be. Um, you know, he completed what 59% of his throws this year. And let me just double check that 57.7. So 58% of his throws, five touchdowns, two picks. Um, he averaged eight and a half yards per attempt despite completing 58% of his throws. Right, like Jimmy Garoppolo averaged eight point six yards per attempt, which is damn good, and mm-hmm. completed sixty eight percent of his throws. So basically, ten percent more of his throws, and they still average basically the same yards per attempt number, which is pretty impressive. Consider, like, if you extrapolate Trey Lance's numbers out to a full season, presuming he's going to get better in his second season than he was as a rookie, like it might not be super efficient from a completion percentage standpoint. But man, from a yards per attempt standpoint, and given what he could do at, you know, potentially pushing the ball downfield, the Niners offense could be a lot more explosive in the passing game with Trey Lance there. Yeah. And it just makes the running game harder to defend too. Exactly. If you're having to defend more of the field and it's, if it's not a matter of, well, just make Trey Lance beat you. And maybe that's what it is early on. You know, maybe he, maybe he struggles early and defenses can throw curveballs at him that, that, you know, forces him into a couple mistakes, but the idea is once he starts, you know, 
half a season, three quarters of a season, a full season, whatever it is, it'll become harder and harder to, to throw those curveballs. And now all of a sudden you can't just lean on defending the run and, and the run game still going to be there. It's not like they're going to start going four wide and letting him rip all the time, letting it rip. Like that's just not what the offense is going to look like. You remember like the biggest issues the 49ers had against the chiefs in the super bowl and against the Rams in the NFC championship game recently was what happened when Jimmy Garoppolo got pressured along the interior, whether it was Chris Jones or Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. which is why Lakin Tomlinson is a very important guy to resign. And Alex Mack is an important guy this offseason for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But what you have with Trey Lance now is as my dog tries to scratch to get the hell out of my office. Um, he's a big Jimmy guy. <laughs> he's like, I'm out on this conversation. Um, is you have an athletic quarterback who can get away from defensive linemen, mm-hmm. which is not who Jimmy was. So, right. And those are pretty big moments of the season. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what, what that looks like and what, what the run element looks like, how much, how much zone read stuff they do, how much design running they do and whether they limit that to, just third downs? Do they limit that to just the red zone? Like when we see Trey Lance line up in in the pistol with Debo Samuel behind him, are they re- are they reserving that for special instances, or is that just kind of what the offense is going to look like? He's like, man, hey, on any given play, because they're going to go. <laughs> like, think about how difficult that would be to defend if if Trey Lance develops and and is just you know like a nice player in 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 his first year as a starter if you're going if you're going Trey Lance in the pistol with Elijah Mitchell behind him and Debo Samuels on the field and Kyle Juszczyk's on the field and George Kittle's on the field and let's say they draft another tight end who's really athletic and can catch some passes and he's on the field like that just sounds like a nightmare on top of a quarterback who might uncork one 50 plus yards down the field and connect on it. You just, you see the theory. And I think that's why I remembered what I was going to say. Yes. Hell yes. Okay. It fits with this. So one of the, I think that's why the 49ers are so excited. And one of the things is it's not just the physical ability. Like we know he's fast. We know he has a strong arm, but one of the things pre-draft was this guy is hella smart. Look how smart this dude is. He's this. I think arguably, that's exactly how, how John Lynch described him. Like, I bro, he's smart. hella smart with 99 <laughs> problems by Jay-Z playing think, in the background. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then the dolphin said, Hey, he's hella smart price of the brick going up. And John Lynch is like, damn, it'd be like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so no, so Trey Lance, and that's that's Kyle Shanahan said it after the season. John Lynch said it today on on NFL Network. They Trey Lance is the person they thought he was when they were meeting with him on Zoom and going over plays with him on the whiteboard, and he was showing them who he is as a as a as a worker and just as a as a as a player with a high football IQ. The fact that that bared itself out over the course of his rookie season is more than the arm strength, more than the, more than the ability to run. Like that's all, that's all great. But there are a lot of quarterbacks who are big and fast with big arms who don't make it in the NFL, but it's the fact that he came in with that. Wow. This kid's football IQ is off the charts. He is a great dude, a great leader. And the fact that all of those things are 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 the case after his rookie season that's why i'm so optimistic about his ability to to develop and not be one of those man he was super talented but he's not very good right so the the 49ers have i'm, I'm sure people have heard about it but um they have like a, a grading criteria for draft prospects right and the elite of the elite is get you know they're called gold helmet guys Um, And what a gold helmet guy is, is somebody who meets obviously the production and and the athletic requirements to be considered, you know, quote unquote, an elite prospect. But what differentiates a gold helmet guy just from a, 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 you know, 
more traditional elite prospect is their wiring, right? Is who they are as a person. Are they um, an asset to your locker room? Are they going to help resolve issues um, if there's drama, you know, between guys or are they going to be a leader in, in crucial situations? Are they going to be a tone setter? Um, you know, and like gold helmet guys, you know, like he, Trey Lance was given the gold helmet designation, right? Mm-hmm. Like by the personnel department and the coaching staff leading into the draft. So, you know, Mac Jones didn't, didn't get that. He was close, but ultimately I think one of the reasons why he didn't was he had that DUI early on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, George Kittle, uh, Fred Warner was a, was a gold helmet guy. George Kittle, I think would have gotten a gold helmet designation had he produced a little bit more in I at Iowa. I know he only had like, what do you, didn't he have like 14 catches or something throughout his, it was, it, I think it was in the forties, but it was very low. Like, yeah. Like his last year it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the gold helmet guy designation is like, you know, I had somebody tell me recently some of the, some of the other gold helmet guys that the Niners didn't draft and like Minka Fitzpatrick was one of them. Right. Um, just guys that are like elite humans, elite competitors and leaders um, who you just want to have in your building, who you want to be around. And Trey was given that designation. So apparently he's one of those guys. So that's that's what John Lynch is talking about. And that's ultimately why like Jimmy Garoppolo had those things, those elements, those intangible things that we keep talking about, which ultimately was what made him valuable to the 49ers. But now you have that potentially with Lance and a guy who let's face it is talented enough to where if he were coming out in this draft, he would be the number one player taken. So if you match the intangibles with the athleticism, with the supporting cast with the fact that it's Kyle Shanahan, I think that's pretty easy to look at things and be like, all right, well, we haven't seen it yet. And we don't know that he's necessarily going to be ready week one, but if you let this thing marinate for a little while and you let it cook, like this could be, this could be one tasty dish, (laughs) you know, like nice dude, like you're just throwing the ingredients in the pot at this point. And obviously you're not going to be able to serve it in five minutes, but you let that thing stew overnight. And then maybe when you do end up serving the dish, it's going to be really good. Right. And that's sort of what the season represents. It's like, it's like a a, smoker. It's like a smoker. Exactly. It's very, very pertinent point by you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We got Kyle a smoker for, for his wedding gift, by the way. Yeah. Chris and Chris and our favorite cast member, Nick Wagner, shout out to you guys. Yeah. So we're looking forward to uh, a smoke session at my house. Yeah. Some, and then we'll also smoke some meats. Hey, oh, Hey, good job. Uh, thanks. Yep. I don't even. I did. Do they still sell cigarettes? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> I have no idea. Still legal. Um, oh, okay. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, that's 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 all I have. Yep, me too. On the Trey Lance stuff. Yep. I'm. I can't wait for June when he's actually on the field. And we get actual like reports of where he's at, because that's the thing is as much as, you know, we talk about like, well, you can't say he's not ready because we don't know what he's going to look like in September. You also can't say he's going to be awesome because we don't know what he's going to look like in September. So I'm, I'm optimistic about it, but I'm excited to actually have some tangible evidence about what he did over the offseason and where he's at, you know, into June and then through July and into the preseason. I can't wait. I'll, I'll be the most, I'll be there. Hopefully it's the most interesting 49ers offseason from like a personnel standpoint, like a, a player to watch in a long time. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, last year was really interesting because you thought it would be a quarterback battle, but it wasn't so much. Right. But Trey still kind of lit it up. There was, I mean, there was the Garoppolo 2018 because he just finished 2017 so strong. Um, but Lance is just such a different, different player. I'll, I'll be honest. I remember very little about the 2018 training camp at this point. No, but was, that off season. Yeah. It was a lot of maybe the 2013 year. 
Kaepernick's first full year as a starter. I was there for that training camp. Kaepernick, not the best practice player. Better, no. better when the pads, the pads and the bright lights came out. Totally. One of those guys. Yeah. Okay. Let's get out We're of here. We're going to get out of here. Subscribe, rate, and yeah. review, please. Do all of those things. Please. Five stars. Yeah. All right. See you. See ya. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.